Did you know that you can stream the best of HBO shows and more with the new Astro? Better than before, no rain interruptions, no repeats, just stream anytime and on demand via the Astro Ultrabox. It starts from only RM5990 a month and you can find out more information at astro.com.my. You're listening to the Goggler Podcast, Bahir and Uma with you. Did you know that there is a new Hunger Games movie out? Yes, another one. This is the fifth in the franchise and shock or surprise it is a prequel it's called the hunger games the ballad of songbirds and snakes which is based off suzanne collins's prequel novel simply called the ballad of songbirds and snakes i will say this the movie is incredibly faithful to the novel Okay. Almost beat for beat faithful to the novel. I begin with that because a lot of the time, things that work on the page often translate poorly to the screen. And I think when you are trying to tell a visual story, you have to make sacrifices. You have to cut out bits. You may even have to change things so they don't go on forever. First of all, I don't know why this movie exists. The two hours and 40 minutes or whatever this movie runs for doesn't justify its existence. But it actually feels like they tried to cram a trilogy into one film. It is long. It is overwrought. It tells a story that doesn't require telling, in my opinion. Yes, I agree. I absolutely agree. The movie, and I assume the book, follows Coralinus Snow. Right. Which I think is the weirdest character to follow, only because we know of him so much in the original movies. So that's the point I want to make, right? Yes. Coralinus Snow... Donald Sutherland in the original Hunger Games movies. It's important to note that this movie as well was directed by Francis Lawrence and he's done all the Hunger Games movies except the first one, okay? So he is a director with experience in this franchise. Now, going back to Donald Sutherland, we know what happens to Snow. We know who he becomes. We know how he ends up. But in those four movies, we learn a lot about Snow. Yes. This isn't Darth Vader and Anakin Skywalker. In the original trilogy, we know nothing about Darth Vader. For the most part, right up until the end of Jedi, and even then, right up until the end of Jedi, he is a dark, foreboding figure. He is evil. He wants to destroy the rebels. We don't know his backstory at all. We get a tease of it at the end of Jedi, which is why episodes 1, 2, and 3 are justified in their existence. We learn a lot about who Anakin Skywalker was. The reason for that is because of that line, Luke, I am your father. Correct. So there's a reason why the first three movies is important to know because this guy isn't just a bad, isn't just a villain. He isn't just the general on the other side. Meanwhile, with Snow... We've spent so much time learning about him. I ended those movies going, okay, that's cool. I know who Snow is. And the thing is, this movie doesn't tell me anything new about Snow. It is pretty much how I expected yes. Snow's origin story to play out. 
Because we've seen this origin story, if not in Star Wars, in at least a hundred other fantasy sci-fi movies. For me, the real sort of shock is to not show the evolution of someone like Snow. Even in this film, it's not like he started off as this really good guy wanting to do good, but then somehow turning bad. It's not. He was always dodgy and questionable and had let's just call them justifications for his actions, which is what the original Hunger Games films told us. So why are we having to spend another two and two hours and 40 minutes on that story? Man, this movie's fucking long, dude. It's too fucking long. It's just shy of three hours. Yes, which is why. It feels unnecessary for a Hunger Games movie. I'll tell you that much, especially when we already know so much about it and when, especially since the last movie came so long ago that I had forgotten everything about it. I knew I enjoyed those movies because I thought they were very decent adaptations. But this movie feels very much like a cash grab. It feels like it's catering. I don't know who the fan base is, but it feels like it's catering to a fan base and nothing else. Like, I can't think of anyone who isn't a fan of these movies, sitting down, watching this and going, wow. I feel like if you're a fan of the movies and you've seen The Hunger Games several times, you would not be surprised by any of this. None of this would be new to you. None of this would feel like a real sort of solid addition to your knowledge base. It's also painfully boring. Painfully boring. Because of the pacing of the film, like everything in the movie, like all of the production stuff in the movie really works. Yes. The costume design is phenomenal. The production design feels expensive. Like this is a hundred million dollar movie. It feels like if it was made by a big studio, it would cost $250 million. Oh, yeah. Because God knows we've seen $250 million productions come out of Disney and Warner and Sony that don't look this slick. Yes. So. Good job, Lionsgate. Money well spent. It looks pretty good. However, it's too long. It's kind of pointless. And it wastes some pretty decent performances. Mm. I think Hunter Schaefer in her big screen debut is very, very good as Tigress Snow. I think Tom Blythe and Rachel Zegler are really, really good based on what little material they are given. Because the material they're given feels so cliche. They feel yeah. like really boring archetypes. Yeah. And their characters aren't necessarily developed beyond that point. Like Rachel Zegler's Lucy Gray Bad has no character development. She shows up and she is this one thing. And by the end of the movie, she is that same thing. For me, Rachel Zegler's character didn't even do anything. It didn't feel like... Let's not talk about character development. Let's talk about just for a reason for being. Yes. I felt like she didn't have a reason for being in this film. She needs that hero's journey, which she never gets. There's no agency in her character at all throughout the film. Not having agency is one thing, but she gets chosen as tribute. She goes to the Hunger Games. She runs around the whole time. She does everything that Snow tells her to do. She doesn't make any decisions by herself, mind you. Rachel Ziegler never actually takes control of the Hunger Games, right? Yes. Like, she spends the entire Hunger Games, the day and a half of this Hunger Games, just running. Like, she did what Katniss did in day one, which is just fucking run and survive. Which, in a movie called The Hunger Games, about a Hunger Game 
you can't spend your lead character just hiding in nooks and crannies the whole time. It feels like a massive fucking cop-out. Also, I'm sorry, excuse me. You call your movie The Hunger Games and you spend 45 minutes on The Hunger Games in a almost three-hour runtime movie? I lost track because by the time a title card came up going part three, The Peacemaker, I was like, what the fuck? You mean this movie isn't over? (laughs) Like there were so many moments. I was like, oh, fade to black credits. Nope. Also, this movie's got title cards. Why this movie has title cards? I don't know. I got scared la, within the first 10 minutes when the first title card comes up and goes part one. I'm like, how many fucking parts are there? No, but here's my point. Here's my thing with title cards. I love me a good title card. But if you drop a title card that says part three and part three starts essentially three hours at the end of part two, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, didn't need a fucking title card. La. When it feels like a completely separate movie, not only does it feel like a separate movie, but if you're using title cards just so you can change tone of your film, like you said, feeling like a third movie at that point, that's not the right use of title card. If you say part three, Peacemaker, seven months later, I go like, oh, okay, cool, reason. You know what movie writers need to learn from? Go. Sisu. That movie oh, had great fucking title cards and they served a purpose. title cards. Yeah, you're right. This one just felt like the editors going, listen, why not use three title cards with three on-the-nose titles? Yes, I was going to say, they're not obscure, right? When chapter three, Peacemaker, starts, it's because your lead character has become a what? A Peacemaker. Dang, dang, dang. What the actual fuck? <sighs> Come the fuck on. I'm sorry, excuse me. But this movie really doesn't justify its reason to be. Yeah... And I feel like when you are going into movie number five in a franchise that was done and dusted, in which everyone was really happy with how it played out, this one needs to justify its existence so it doesn't come off as a shameless cash grab. And I think it feels like a lot of wasted talent. I thought this movie was about the first Hunger Game. Because then... That would make a lot more sense. That's what I think. That's what I think. For a guy who's never read any of the books, I think if you're going to go prequel, tell me about the first Hunger Game. Why are you telling me about the 10th Hunger Game when nothing really happens? I would like to know about the immediate aftermath of the war between the capital and the districts. I would like to know about Snow's father who actually invented the Hunger Games along with... uh, Casca Highbottom. I would like to know their stories. Yes. Instead, yet again, you've picked up in the middle of something. And that worked for the first series because it was at the end of it. Katniss would lead to a revolution and that's why it mattered. Yeah. <sighs> I think every time someone tried to drop a reference to the original Hunger Games, I just... That was... To, I just, that was... Cr- like, cringe, like... Ah. Uh, that was that was terrible writing. Oh, they called it Swamp Potato, but I think Katniss is a nicer name. Fuck off and die, will you please? I wasn't like, uh, it's just like, oh my god, they said the name of the thing in the movie. Yay. But there's a cute way of doing it, but you can't just like, what the fuck's a Katniss that she came up with it on her own? She pulled it out of her ass going, oh, Swamp Potato, I don't like it. That sounds silly. You know what sounds cool? Katniss. Did hey, she pull wink, it out wink. of her ass? Or was she implying that that was what the covey, her people call it? She said, I think Katniss sounds better, but she never implied that that's what we call it. That She never said it. 
<sighs> you know, like, oh my god. And I think also like <sighs> right at the end, we sit through the credits. And at the end, when the title shows up, the Hunger Games, the ballad of Songbird and Snakes, you go, oh my god, it's just so fucking on the nose. There are so many snakes on this thing, so many things about songbirds and jaybirds and whatever. I'm just like, oh god, really? Yeah. It's very on the nose. Everything is on the nose. I think you can I think you can skip this one. Unless you're like a hardcore fan that has been waiting your whole life for this book to be adapted. I feel like there is nothing you gain from this movie that you haven't already enjoyed in the original quadrilogy. I would dare say I think watching this may actually make you enjoy the quadrilogy a little less. Because <laughs> no, because it's it tries so hard in linking itself to that successful set of films, right? Yeah. The Katniss thing, the introduction of Jason Schwartzman's character, the whole thing about the Snow family. It doesn't add anything. In fact, there's always a threat with a prequel film in that it removes magic from the thing that you love. By adding more information to it, it suddenly becomes less mysterious. It becomes less magical. It becomes less special. And I feel like... The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, does that to the Hunger Games series of films. The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes premieres this week in Malaysian cinemas, Thursday the 16th of November. If you absolutely must and end up watching it, let us know what you think. We are just kind of tired and worn out after this movie. You can reach out on all of our social media feeds, GogglerMY. You can also email us on podcast at goggler.my or send us a WhatsApp on the Goggler hotline, 012-524-5208. Drop us a line on any one of those platforms and we'll send you a link to join our brand new Discord server where you can chat with us in real time. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Goggler Podcast. <laughs>